Hello, everyone. My name is Catherine Gorley, and I'd like to thank you for tuning in today to another episode of the Injury Prevention Academy, a podcast brought to you by Dorn Companies, the country's leading wellness-based pain management and injury prevention company. Dorn is committed to reducing costs of healthcare and workers' compensation, as well as reducing lost productivity, which has resulted in over $100 million in savings over the last 20 years for our clients. Joining us today is Jeff Cease. Jeff is a founding member of Predictive Safety and the current CRO. He currently heads up revenues and has also overseen technology development, product deployment, and implementation, along with the formulation of policies and strategic plans to realize corporate goals and objectives. Welcome, Jeff. Hi, thank you ever so much. I sure appreciate it. And uh, nice to meet everybody uh, watching in on this. And, and it's, it's so great to, to have you come on our podcast today, uh, because I know that you are one of those subject matter experts on the issue of fatigue. And it's something that, you know, companies, even if you're not talking about it, it is an issue in today's workplace. Yeah, it, it absolutely is. It's a, uh, it, and what's interesting about fatigue is it's been an underlying cause for workplace accidents for, for decades. You know, it, it really exists out here, but um, companies have really had struggled getting their, their head around fatigue, fatigue management, and also really understanding the impact that fatigue and, and related impairments, and impairments are more than just uh, drugs and alcohol. They're, I, I just simply had something going on at home last night. And so it's really neat to see, you know, an increasing awareness in corporate America around these types of topics. Absolutely. And I think one of the one of the large kind of examples of what can really cause a more kind of global capacity or, or, or global awareness of fatigue, um, just to give an example, uh, March 24th, 1989, the oil tanker Exxon Valdez that was filled to capacity with more than, I think it was 1.4 million barrels of crude oil, struck a reef as it entered Alaska's Prince William Sound and it tore a gaping hole in the hull and released 11 million gallons of oil into the environment. And today, more than 30 years later, the Exxon Valdez incident continues to rank as one of the costliest accidents on record. Uh, they actually put the total cost of the accident at more than $7 billion, and it includes everything from environmental damage, the cleanup costs, and the loss of local economic viability of that entire region. And after an investigation, it was found to have been caused by an impaired captain who left an underexperienced third mate to pilot the tanker through that particular more treacherous passageway. And obviously, as we said, fatigue and impairment continues to be a frequent topic of concern for many companies in those high-risk industries like oil and gas, obviously, manufacturing, supply chain, and, and mining, and even construction. So how has this focus increased since that particular incident? And what would you recommend companies do to work with their employees to reduce those risks? Yeah, you know, it's a, it's, you know, that's just such a wonderful example of where uh, fatigue and potential impairment really created a huge issue out there that cost the company millions of dollars. And so fatigue awareness is, is a huge aspect of all of this and uh, working with companies to be able to help them recognize the risks and then look for ways to uh, engage their workforce and particularly 
the middle management. And that's really where the rubber meets the road in most organizations when it comes to fatigue is uh, these are the folks that are, are tasked with keeping the workforce safe, but they have a really tough road in front of them because they have to balance productivity goals, production goals against safety goals. And a lot of times in order to meet their, their quotas or their production goals um, and the reality of, of having a, a short staff or you know, employment issues within the organization, um, they're really working their people really hard. And so one of the, the things that we bring to the table is the reality that, look, we understand that you have production goals. And, and so it's fatigue is not, managing fatigue is not necessarily about cutting workers hours, um, because sometimes you can't cut workers hours. It's about being aware of the situation and if possible, using data to help manage the fatigue risk. Um, and that's some of the areas where we come in and we'll talk about here as we go through this podcast of how these tools can get engaged with the organization and how uh, managers can use these tools to help understand the fatigue risk all the way down to the worker level so that they can know at the beginning of each day, hey, you know, I need to spend a little bit more time working with these folks. Or, you know, maybe Wednesdays, because we have all this extra overtime that always happens on Tuesdays for whatever reason, is a really good day to bring in extra cases of water and have people make sure they pick up a bottle of water when they walk into the shop and give them an extra 10 minutes on their lunch break. Or there's things that companies can do to mitigate fatigue risk, even in the face of a high level of fatigue. And that's a lot of what we work with. Yeah. And I think education and, and that communication as to what those risks are, I think is so vital when it comes to workplace safety and also just a wellness culture in general at, at the company. You know, obviously being able to predict potential risk um, instead of res actually responding to those individual issues is so important. Yeah, yeah, it absolutely is. So, um, you know, let me go ahead and kind of give you a little background on the types of tools that we use to predict risk and some of the ways that that we can engage companies uh, with, with the Dorn company to, to help companies make this happen. And mm -hmm. a little bit of history behind this, I think, would be really helpful. So um, we bring really two really uh, powerful solutions to the table for, for folks. And one is a it's the easiest way to think about it is a fatigue prediction system. And we've been doing this work and we started this work down in South Africa in the mining environment. And we've been, you know, over the last 12 years, continuing to refine it. And really what it does is it utilizes uh, well-established circadian science and concepts around circadian science to help employers understand um, who today is at the highest risk of fatigue and being able to provide reports to managers so they can manage their team more effectively. Um, and there's a, a lot of data around that. We can certainly go into more detail um, more on some one-on-ones with folks, but that, that system has worked extremely well. We've got clients that have been using that with very large workforces that have shown as much as a 35% reduction in lost time injuries as a result of using data to more effectively manage fatigue. Now, one of the aspects of this, though, that is really important to understand is while you can collect data to manage fatigue, there are the, the we call it the life happens effect. Right. And that is that that people have lives outside of work. 
So while we can help to mitigate fatigue risk based on factors that are happening at the job and the hours people are working and all those types of things, you know, people don't want Big Brother watching them when they go home. They don't want to wear a watch to track their sleep. They don't want to have to, you know, report those things. They've got poker games that they're going to go to. They've got families. They've got sick kids. They've got other things that impact their ability to stay really focused when they get to work. And so going back to the Exxon Valdez incident that, that you had discussed earlier, mm -hmm. um, one of the things that, that happened with that is that one of the gentlemen that was in charge of a lot of the cleanup for the Exxon Valdez incident wanted to find a way to effectively assess the vessel pilots in the maritime industry to make sure that they could stay alert and engaged throughout the course of their shift. And so what he did, which is was really groundbreaking, and it's still incredibly groundbreaking today, is he thought, man, okay, what if there was a way to assess these people daily that was non-invasive, that doesn't mean you got to put a watch on people, doesn't mean that Big Brother's watching, but it's more like a game that people could play at the beginning of each day to be able to know, hey, you know, this person might be struggling. And again, to not necessarily prevent them from doing their job, but to give them mitigating risk opportunities. Again, helping people manage fatigue risk. Um, there's a great saying they have in South Africa, and this might resonate with some folks, but you know, you could be highly fatigued, but if you put a snake in the seat next to you, you're probably going to be alert, right? And, and that's probably. really true. Yeah, probably, right? So, you know, there, there are people that are really trained to be able to maintain alertness in the light of fatigue. So if you think of surgeons, they, they really go through intensive training. You always hear the horror stories of the guy that was up for 48 hours and then had to do a knee surgery or something, right? Um, you think of astronauts and, and, and soldiers, you know, these guys are really trained to have high vigilance in the face of fatigue. But the majority of people don't. And that's the situation with these vessel pilots, right? It's an incredibly tough operation because... It's really boring to sit on the top of one of these tankers. So the inventor of this thing, he went to NASA and he went to the U.S. military and he asked them, what do you guys do to be able to check for vigilance and be able to check for attentiveness and fatigue risk in individuals at a point in time before you go out on a spacewalk or before you go out on a mission? And they shared with him this concept called a psychomotor vigilance test. And there's a lot of research and data on psychomotor vigilance tests out on the web. And they've been around a long time. It was actually pioneered originally by NASA for the uh, Skylab missions way back when. And it, it's, a, it's a way to assess somebody's ability to stay focused. And they're used in clinical trials and they're used in early Alzheimer's uh, and dementia detection and those types of things. But the problem with those assessments primarily was twofold. One is there was potentially some discriminatory problems. You know, an astronaut is going to perform very differently on, on an assessment than somebody in the workplace necessarily, right? Um, the other issue was they took anywhere from seven to 20 minutes to execute. So uh, the gentleman who invented this, his name is Henry Bowles. Um, he went to NIOSH, the National Institute of Occupational Safety and Health, and they gave him literally millions of dollars with, uh, federal funding, and it's a division of the CDC, to create this little 60-second assessment that is effective at identifying fatigue and potential impairment within a workforce at the beginning of every day. So when you start to couple this opportunity to do kind of a door check that is, again, non-invasive, it's not a drug test, but it can identify impairment from all sorts of things. 
along with the ability to manage fatigue with data, you can get a really comprehensive solution to solve an extensive risk with organizations. Um, organizations today, um, if you look at the National Safety Council and you look at some of the statistics that are coming out, 80% of SIFs, significant injury and fatalities, are the result of human factors. And when you start to look at human factors, fatigue risk is chief among those. It's people are tired, they're distracted, they're impaired, and they're not impaired by drugs and alcohol. They're impaired because they have a sick kid that was in the hospital last night and they didn't come to work until three o'clock in the morning. They, they didn't get home until three o'clock in the morning. And those are really the things that, that, that drive this. And, and I think being able to connect with your employees, even if it is for those couple of minutes at the beginning of the day, um, can really give you a good understanding as to how can you further communication just as a whole within your organization about the about the risks associated with fatigue, uh, but also how you can complete those production schedules um, and those job tasks without putting the employee at risk as well, um, I think is a really important conversation to have. You know, obviously we need to be able to through, through those variety of, of different solutions, be able to identify those risks, educate why it's so important to even know what those risks are, you know, everywhere from upper management to like you said, that middle management, whether it's safety team or it is just HR working with employees and ways to combat that. Yeah, it really, it boils down to a cultural commitment to safety and particularly to the recognition that human factors are a huge contributing problem and how to address them, but more importantly, how to address them in a holistic and supportive manner. Um, you know, the, the, one of the things that we're always really cognizant to is not only productivity, but also employee retention, right? So you need to have programs that support the employees because as everybody knows, why do you have a good employee and why do they stick with you? Well, you pay them well and they feel cared for. People talk to them, they get engaged. Um, let me give you a couple of examples of uh, some incidents that have happened as a result of, of this and, and where this management with data can really come into play. Mm -hmm. um, we had a, a company come to us recently, and this is really tragic because it was after the fact. And they had a really great safety record. Um, they, didn't, they didn't really recognize fatigue risk as a factor. They didn't have any real problems with drug drugs or alcohol within their organization, good drug testing program, but, you know, then so they weren't really focused on this area. But what happened, and this is a great example of how middle management comes into play, is they had a gentleman that came to work one day, and this was a manufacturing facility. And he was a 30-year veteran with this company. 30 years, gold star employee, you know, just a really great guy, never had any incidents, never had any, any issues whatsoever. And his direct supervisor was a 28-year-old kid who had just been promoted into that role, okay? Now, the guy comes to work and his supervisor notices that he's not behaving quite normally, that he's a little bit off, right? And, um, he's, and the supervisor is like, geez, I'm not going to talk to this guy. He's been here for 30 years. He knows what he's doing. I know he's a little, he looks a little off, but who am I 
to address this individual? Who am I to have this conversation? And, you know, it kind of boils down to courage and training, right? Mm -hmm. And so that's a big part of what organizations really need to look at is, is supervisory training so that they have the courage to have those conversations, right? Well, what ended up happening is this, this gentleman, he um, got himself in an area on the manufacturing floor where there was moving equipment, where he should not have been, wasn't paying attention at all, and he got crushed by a piece of machinery, okay? Um, it was a fatality. And when they did the RCA on this incident, the, the manager said, yeah, I should have talked to him. You know, he's just heartbroken. This is going to haunt him for the rest of his life. And when they talked to this guy's wife, what they found out was she had handed him divorce papers the night before, and he had only had one hour sleep before coming to work. Okay. And that is a type of impairment that companies don't really recognize. You know, you look at mental health, you look at those types of impairments, they don't really recognize. And again, you know, I don't want to turn this into a commercial here, but this is the type of technology that we bring to the table. Our product called Alert Meter, mm -hmm. which Dorn uh, helps to support with all of your clients out there, uh, it would have detected this level of impairment with this individual. It looks at a personal baseline of behavior and they play a game every day for 60 seconds. And if you can't play the game the way you normally do, it's going to raise an alarm bell. And that supervisor would have had the opportunity to have an intervention in an objective manner. And it would have been part of policy and procedure. You had somebody on your crew that struggled on this game today. It's your job to have talked to him. He would have had objective data to be able to address this gentleman and find out that there was a situation going on. And that guy could potentially still be alive today. So, you know, while it all boils down ultimately at a, at a corporate decision level to KPIs and key metrics, there are certain types of incidents like this that you can't predict. And these are the incidents that are gonna cost an organization hundreds of millions of dollars at the end of the day. And it's really sad for us when companies come to us after this type of an incident has happened. I'm gonna give you another example of where we did have a really excellent intervention before an accident happened. Um, one of our clients is a steel uh, manufacturing and processing company. and they were kind of kicking the tires on this technology and they had deployed the technology to four of their operating companies down in Texas. And uh, they'd been using it for a couple of months and a gentleman came to work one day and again, kind of a gold star employee, he'd been there for a long time and he played the game and he couldn't get through it. He played the game a second time and he couldn't get through it a second time. Normally he would just power through this thing. It was a non-issue for him. It was really easy, but he was really struggling today getting to kind of his normal baseline level. And so his manager received an email and a text message that says, hey, you know, so-and-so struggled on the game this morning, suggest you go have a conversation with him. He also knew that the protocol was that he needs to have a conversation with his manager. So the conversation ensued and the manager says, hey, I saw that alert meter told you to that uh, you were having a rough time today. Can we have a chat? And he says, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm actually really struggling. He says, okay, should we go over to HR? Do we need to go somewhere quiet? No, no, I'm, I'm, I'm fine talking to you. Honestly, what happened is my kid went into the hospital last night. We think he's got a terminal heart condition. Okay. Oh my God. I'm so sorry to hear that. Right. Um, did you get any sleep last night? I haven't slept in 36 hours. Okay. Well, why are you here at work? Why do you think he was here at work? I need the money. Okay. I don't right. have any more ETO, right? 
And besides, this is a really great place for me to come to clear my head. So now the kind of the kicker to this story is this gentleman's job was operating a 50 ton crane, loading steel pipe on the back of semi trucks with three spotters down below. Okay, so yeah. they were able to do an intervention with this gentleman. They put him in an alternative task. Actually, I think in this case, they put him into the EOP process. So he got a, a paid time off day. But companies will, will assign alternative tasks. They'll do all sorts of things to make sure that an incident doesn't happen when this type of intervention comes up. Yeah, and we see that um, with, you know, Dorn works with several companies across the U.S. Um, in that manufacturing sphere of, you know, if we see someone struggling, this might be a good time for job rotation, even if it is just one day um, or for, you know, a few weeks, let, let's get them into a different a different area where maybe they won't have those same, you know, in, in our case, more the, the body mechanics issues, uh, but it could also be related to fatigue of, you know, let, let's make sure that we're changing things up. Let's make sure that we're supporting employees because a lot of times, you know, it, it can be work-related fatigue, um, but it, it can also be non-work-related fatigue, you know, uh, you know, beyond having those job tasks, you know, 90% of employers say that they're concerned about those variety of outside influences, whether it is uh, the, the alcohol or, you know, the, the opioids, um, mental health, or even chronic stress. And so more than half of these employees said that that impairment is actually decreasing the safety of their workplace. And that's something that we hear time and time again. Um, and I know that technology can be a really big part in alleviating some of, of those stresses, uh, but also educating employees. So how has technology as a whole really helped companies with this goal? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, one of the ways we look at this is um, companies do condition assessment for their equipment and for their vehicles and all of these types of things, right? And so really what this technology can do is it's kind of a condition assessment for your workforce. And it's a recognition of the fact that, as I said earlier, life happens. People have things happening in their lives. Um, there's some really fascinating statistics that we get from our clients where we start to do data analysis on when people are struggling with this game. And, you know, some really, really fun things that, that we've seen and, and serious as well as fun is, is that when people struggle with the game, with the game, we call it an outside normal range incident, right? Where they've struggled with the game two times in a row. And we call that an outside normal range incident, which creates an intervention. And normally our clients will see on most workdays about 1.5% of all the games played will, will create an intervention. So it's not a lot, right? It's only 1.5%. If you're managing 20 people, you might get pinged with this thing maybe once a month, maybe twice a month if it's if it's really rough. So it's not like it's taken a lot of time out of managers' days. But what's fascinating is where we see these statistics start to rise. So when we look at some of our organizations, we did a study with a global construction company recently. And uh, part of that study, coincidentally, was they did a survey 
And they found that through the use of this technology in the survey response, 20% of the respondents were stating that they were drinking less alcohol and were getting better sleep every night because it's giving feedback. This technology is giving feedback to the workforce and it's telling them, man, you know, I shouldn't have had that extra shot of whiskey last night. You know, I, my little green dot after I did my assessment is dropping down today. It didn't drop me into the red. It didn't cause me to have a conversation. There's no intervention. I didn't get any trouble, but I got this, this feedback that says, wow, you know, this thing is picking up on the fact that my head's not quite as good as it usually is. And then when we start to look at the data from these organizations across, you know, the workforce, some good examples from this global construction company was uh, they, we, we were looking at data over a three-month period. And we saw normally 1.5% of all, their, all of their tests were these, these interventions, right? But Tuesdays, and, and to a T, on average Tuesdays, 8% of all tests were happening with interventions. And man, why is this happening on Tuesdays? Okay. Now this is actually a really funny story where, you know, I'm on the phone, I'm on a zoom call and I've got these really high powered executives and, and these data analysts in this call. And we're all looking at this data and we're like, why is it Tuesdays? And my girlfriend is in the other room and she yells out, it's Monday night football, stupid. <laughs> and so, so we all crack up and we're like, well, yeah, yeah maybe it is. Right. And honest to goodness, we ran this exact same study three months later after the football season was over. Tuesdays were right back in line. And Interesting. Isn't that wild, right? So what that means is that this technology was bringing to the forefront the folks that were out late partying after the football game, right? And it wasn't sending people home. It was actually improving employee retention because that's what they also found. Remember, we mentioned about one of the factors with employee retention is having conversations. And so these people that were coming to work just tired, not impaired, but just tired, were having discussions with their managers and their managers were saying, you know what, I get it. Here's a couple of extra bottles of water. Take an extra break this afternoon. Or, you know, I'm not going to put you operating this crane. I'm going to have you go over here and do this other work. And that company's TRIR, their OSHA rating, went from like an eight point almost down to zero, you know, and it's, it's those types of engagements, their employee retention move was, was improved by 38% by putting this technology in. That's absolutely huge. People were being yes. cared for, they were being supported. We saw similar data results around the holidays, President's Day, Christmas, Thanksgiving, uh, they did a study around really big overtime days because they do these big concrete pours where everybody had to work a whole lot of time on concrete pour. And people, you know, that's exhausting, right? And that's a big thing that Dorn deals with is dealing with, with these really heavy and hard operations, right? And what they found was that the O&R rate after the concrete pours were always much higher than, than, than their normal days. And thus, they were having more conversations with the people that really needed support because that concrete pour really impacted them more than most of the rest of the population. So yeah, there's a lot that people can do once they have data. And it's really, you know, and that's, that's really where we come from. It's data analytics and it's managing more effectively through the use of data. And, and, and I think that's so important where, you know, say 
you know, 30 years ago when, when that Exxon Valdez incident occurred, you weren't, I don't think that that kind of, of, of data analysis and understanding, I think was really happening at the level that it is today, you know, and I think having companies understand where some of those stressors are taking place, whether it is from outside of the workforce, um, or I'm sorry, outside the workplace, uh, but also what companies are doing as just a normal part of operation. So, you know, especially in those high risk um, occupations where you're seeing those long work hours, you're seeing uh, those extended, sometimes even irregular shifts, you know, um, that's where you're going to see that higher level of risk. Um, OSHA actually reported uh, that when an employee was working in a job with overtime schedules, the higher or the, the injury hazard rate actually went up to 61% higher than the other, the other jobs. So that's something to have that awareness. Um, do you find that those technologies are really driving those deeper conversations when it comes to overall um, kind of employee fatigue? Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, not only with the, with the start of shift assessment that we've been talking about, but the deeper um, fatigue risk management solutions that we can bring to the table, particularly if you have 24 seven operations. Um, so we work with a lot of transportation companies and very large transportation companies, and they're really struggling dealing with some hours of service regulations, okay? And, and what this technology is allowing them to do, now this is not necessarily in the US yet, but in some other countries, they're allowing companies to have a expanded hours of service as long as they can demonstrate that they have a real-time and active fatigue risk management system in place that can help them identify, yeah, this guy is beyond his hours of service, but he's still in a reasonable state of fatigue because we've, we're, we're running these circadian calculations and we're using this, this um, condition assessment uh, for their brain on a regular basis. So yeah, utilizing this technology not only can, can um, reduce injuries and risk, but can expand um, opportunities for organizations to improve productivity and improve, improve production in, in dramatic ways. When we look across the industries that we work with and we look at the impact that this technology has had, um, and, and you know, to kind of get fairly specific on this, you know, in mining, manufacturing, logistics, utilities, construction, transportation. These are all industries where we're really heavily involved. And when we start to look at the key metrics that companies maintain around their safety ratings and around the, how, how they utilize this technology, some of the metrics we look at are their lost time injury rate, your insurance-related reductions, right? Your, your workers' comp, your general liability, your auto liability, all of those things. Your total incident rate, obviously, is a number of people track. This is an interest, interesting one. Your drug testing failure rates. Okay, Remember, I told you 20% of these respondents were drinking less alcohol. We also see a lot of people that will self-report or will enter themselves in EAP programs after we put this technology in. Um, the overall cost of incidents is a big KPI. Mm -hmm. Employee turnover, which we've spoken about already. And when I, I want to go back on cost of incidents, it's not just injuries that I'm talking about. It's that forklift ran into that pallet and cost us, you know, $20,000 worth of lost material. Okay. 
employee turnover, and then obviously your OSHA TRIR rating. We look across all of those key metrics and what we see across the board with the industries that are using this technology is on average a 30% improvement across all of those key metrics and across all of those industries. That's huge. Not only is yeah. that saving lives, that's saving millions and millions of dollars, particularly if you're a large organization that's self-insured. If you're paying your own workers' comp and you can reduce that workers' comp rating by even 15%, that could be you know millions of dollars back in your pocket in within a year. So yeah, there's a huge amount of benefits both to the individuals as well as the corporations in embracing this concept of using data to help you manage and mitigate fatigue and impairment risk. Right. And again, that that awareness of where that fatigue risk is happening, um, but also ways to combat that. You know, I recently spoke with Dr. Ian Dudigan. Uh, he is a fatigue management uh, professional in Australia, and he works a lot with athletes and then takes those those um, kind of results and brings them to those high-risk occupations. Um, so understanding the need for recovery, you know, we, we, we look at professional athletes and we know that it's those high burst, um, high stress movements that they need to complete in order to do, do their job. And now, and, and, and we allow them to have that recovery. You know, the game is done, you know, you can, you can relax, you can, you can uh, combat that fatigue from those those kind of high bursts of energy. But then when you take it into today's workforce, especially in those high risk occupations like mining or or um, or, or even just regular manufacturing, you you're, you're still getting that high burst of of movements and those even repetitive movements. But sometimes you're not getting that recovery. And that's something that I think some of those technologies really start to make people understand just as a whole what is causing some of that fatigue, uh, but also driving those conversations. Yeah, absolutely. And recovery is a huge deal, especially when it comes to overall mental, physical fatigue. Um, there's the only the only fix for fatigue is rest. There is no other fix for fatigue. That is the only thing you can do to fix it. And the only, uh, you know, and when you talk about mental fatigue, the only good solution for that is actually sleep, you know, and, and, and having a, a good day off and having a, a fair amount of sleep is what re, re-energizes the batteries of our bodies, right? Mm-hmm. And, and so recognizing that, and, and when you look at a lot of today's workplace, um, and it doesn't matter what industry you're in, you see the same potential issues. You see a lot of overtime. You've got folks that are picking up a lot of overtime hours, either because they're short-staffed somewhere else or whatever else is going on. You see pension loading. Pension loading is a really high-risk endeavor for organizations because what you've got now is you've got your workers that are at the oldest end of the population working the most hours because they're trying to load up their paychecks, right? You've got call-outs. And so all of these types of activities, even if the work schedule is a fatigue-friendly schedule. As soon as you start laying on overtime and call-outs and pension loading and all of these extra things, you're reducing the opportunity for recovery. So Mm -hmm. somebody normally is supposed to get two days off between their their shifts and they work 10-hour days, but they pick up an extra day and they only get a day off. They're going to come back to work on Monday without their batteries fully charged, which means that by Friday, 
they're going to be extremely fatigued because they never got that recovery the previous weekend. It's cumulative. Fatigue is a cumulative effect and you have yes. to get the opportunity for recovery to make it work. Yes, absolutely. And I think, I think that kind of conversation has really come at least from, from what Dorn has seen these last few years, you know, the, the, the stresses of, of kind of that, that global pandemic really driving home the need for recovery for, for that, that fatigue management, because it, it so often is work-related, but then it can so often be not. And so, so understanding where fatigue even just plays a role in your daily life is extremely important. Yeah, it, it absolutely is. And, and I think, you know, as, as we kind of get to the close of this, the, the thing that is really, really the most important that I see out there is, again, companies recognizing that fatigue is a real thing and that it, uh, it, that it can impact the organization. And also being able to recognize that the largest factors of fatigue are happening away from the job and being sensitive to that and starting to be sensitive to that is going to really improve that employee retention and it's going to really improve the ability for your workers to be healthy at work and to be healthy at home and you know back to the horror story that i told early on get home alive with all your fingers and toes it's a huge yeah. thing right yes absolutely that 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 is definitely the goal at the end of the day um, you know, for, for, for everyone of making sure that you're keeping your, your employees safe, um, making sure that because someone's work is such a large part of their daily life, having that support in work, I think is so important. And, and even just going back to what you were saying of, you know, fatigue will cost your company money. Right. You know, oh, yeah. uh, you know, uh, according to the National Safety Council, fatigued workers cost on average companies about twelve hundred to thirty one hundred dollars for every employee uh, of, of those risks of fatigue. And that's just in productivity losses alone. And so through some of these technology uh, solutions through, say, like Dorn's early intervention solutions with with trainings and with observations and and with with that deep tissue pain alleviation, pain alleviation, it's so important to establish that wellness culture. Um, so what what do you believe are the top three benefits of, of having a wellness culture that includes and, and maybe even really addresses that fatigue identification and management? Yeah, so, you know, again, uh, the, the thing that we really look at from a, a, a company perspective and a human perspective is fatigue risk and fatigue is health, right? It's, it's being healthy and it's being productive. And so at the, at the workforce level, having healthy workers, having productive workers and health workers that are happy, obviously this is no news to anybody, right? But recognizing that fatigue risk is the huge impacting factor around that. And, and taking mitigating steps to effectively manage that fatigue risk is, is absolutely paramount. When you look at the corporation, it cuts across the entire corporation. And we really talk about fatigue and impairment risk is financial risk, right? And it's more than just financial. It's employee turnover, it's insurance rates, it's workers' comp, it's lawsuits, it's productivity, customer relationships, reputation, 
-hmm. you know, serious accident, it's quality control and it's, and it's product damages. All of these are huge things that can cost the company money. So, um, you know, I would really urge people that are listening to this podcast to really think about where fatigue is impacting their organization and understand, you know, and a lot of people are already fairly problem aware, right? They, they know that fatigue is, is an issue, but they're not necessarily solution aware. And I think that's where Dorn really brings a lot of value to the table is being able to help organizations discover that there are solutions out there to help you mitigate fatigue risk, whether that's in the form of, you know, musculoskeletal work or whether it's in the form of mental and, and mental fatigue or alertness risk or impairment mm -hmm. risk, all of those things fall into, in, fall into that bucket. Wonderful. Thank you so much for joining us today, Jeff. Thank you. I really do appreciate the time and, uh, Really, uh, really excited for uh, being having the opportunity to be on this podcast. Yeah, no, no, thank you so much, and 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 thank you all for joining in to listen to Dorn's Injury Prevention Academy. Tune in next time to learn more about the innovative steps and programs taking place in today's world of safety. Mm -hmm.